Welcome to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Achieving bigger and better results with money, family, and business isn't about creating a bigger to-do list for yourself. It's about who can help you create results without you having to do all the work. Listen as we provide uncommon perspectives, powerful resources, and experienced people that can help you maximize outcomes in your life. Let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to Maximizing Outcomes with Jim McGovern. Jim, what's going on with you? Well, Eric, just excited to pick up on part two. Where we left off in our last conversation, we're going to dedicate another 30 to 40 minutes or so to the second half of our conversation, which is generating guaranteed sources of lifetime income and retirement. Yeah, and and it was a great, very, very, I want to say deep dive, Jim, but I know that's not right because you barely scratched the surface on what we spoke about on the last podcast and really talked about some of the challenges people have been facing with, you know, the, with retirement, with market fluctuations, with, you know, people's fears and, and you introduced annuities and you really kind of covered a lot in that first episode. So please listener, if you did not listen to the first one, go back and listen to that one, because that really is the foundation for this episode now. Uh, but we had planned to have that as all one episode, but there's so much to cover and it was so complex quite honestly, for my brain to figure out, Jim. And I'm, I'm glad you decided to break it into two. And I'm, I'm excited to get into today's content because this is kind of like the uh, the rainbow at the end of the storm of that first podcast. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot to this topic. And I think breaking it down into two sections, I think is good. We, we focus on the accumulation phase of life. And now we're going to spend today's episode just talking about the distribution phase because it is quite a bit different. And uh, I, I think the listeners are going to come away from this going, okay, I have some options. Is this going to be perfect for me? Maybe, maybe not. But I think everybody owes it to themselves to educate themselves more on this topic because it, it could really be something that reduces your stress levels in retirement. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I want to I want to discuss kind of openly with you before we get jumping into questions. Again, almost like a review. Why is it important to have a reliable source of guaranteed income? lifelong income in retirement. I know that that's a, it's almost a softball of a question, but <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that a little warm up, right? Yeah. Or, but, but I mean, really that's, it's, I, I want your insights on it and, and to, to really share with the audience how you approach it from your standpoint. Sure. You know, I think if you look at the majority of folks that are listening to this podcast, most people are in a career or they had a career where they were living on a salary plus a bonus. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you when you think about your your budgeting and how you live your life, most people plan the majority of their life with their salary. And the reason for that is bonuses can change. Now, there's a couple of exceptions to this. There are some occupations, like for example, we work with a lot of people that are clients of ours that are in the financial services industry, right? They may work for a private equity firm or they may work for a um, an institutional money management firm. And those folks have, as part of their compensation, they tend to get really large bonuses. But mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks in corporate America will have a salary they get each month, but they also have a, a kind of like a guaranteed bonus that maybe comes out you know, once a year, maybe comes out twice a year. It's kind of like a cousin of the salary. They know that they're going to get it, but then there's this variable component in their bonus structure that they don't really know what they're going to get. So even though they have that that guaranteed side of it, that's still kind of like a like a deferred salary, delayed salary, I guess I should say. But the reason why you can't really plan on that variable bonus is because you can't predict it. And you don't want to overextend yourself. And if a bonus is way less than you expected, 
now what? You know, one of the things I wanted to just mention here is that if you're used to living on a salary during your career, why not have a similar approach when you get into retirement? But, but just make the salary large enough to fund the lifestyle that you want. So that's really what annuities are, just to give you some context for today's episode, is that it's a way for you to purchase an income stream for life. Mm-hmm. And the other money that you don't put into the annuity, that can really be invested in other things. And that can be more of like your bonus money in retirement. And again, we don't have to be super specific on this. I just want you to conceptually think about if you had 80% to maybe even upwards of 100% of your lifestyle costs were covered by guaranteed income sources for you and your spouse. Just think about the confidence you'd have throughout retirement. Like you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't be worried free, but you definitely wouldn't worry as much. So yeah. you have a few different sources of guaranteed income. You have social security, you have pensions. Not everybody has a pension, but they still do exist. And then you have annuities. And when you think about these different sources, I mean, again, we talked about inflation last episode. I'm going to bring it up again. Pensions are wonderful, but they don't have payments that adjust with inflation. Mm-hmm. Now, Social Security does, but that's tied to government consumer price index type of a formula. And you don't really have any control over that. And annuities, you do have some control. You can buy an annuity that does not have a rising income stream. That's fine. That works for some people. But you know, folks, especially ones that are retiring a little bit younger, most people want to purchase an annuity with a rising income stream. And some of these are contractual increases. In other words, that when you fund the annuity, the income is going to increase at a set percentage every single year, whether inflation's high or not. Uh, other people opt for an annuity with a rising income stream that's it's more driven by the performance either from an external index like the S&P 500 or it's based on just the investment allocation uh, inside the portfolio. So again, if, if you're doing that, the rest of your assets are able to provide for all those extras and they can deal with all those spending shocks we were talking about last time that you can't possibly predict. Yeah. Well, my next question is, is I mean, you have way more insight than anybody else I know, honestly. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you these questions. And everybody knows that if, if, if the market tanks, that's a huge consequence for anybody who's relying on completely market-based investments. But what are some other consequences? I mean, we know that one. If you're, if you're, if you're relying your entire, all your investments are in the market and it tanks when you're in retirement, that's a tough pill to swallow. But what are some of the other consequences? There's a lot of consequences. I mean, you only get to retire once. And typically, you know, I had a, uh, a mentor of mine mentioned this early in my career that he says, when you, when you start for retirement, those are the go-go years. That's when you're you're in the best health you're probably ever going to be in your life. It's when you have the most energy, the most desire. You want to go out and travel and do all these different things. And then you enter what he calls the slow-go phase. Yeah, you you still can do a lot of those things. You may just not want to, right? And then you get, reach the end. You've got the what he calls the no-go phase. You're just not doing anything, right? The problem is that you, you run out of money early. Next thing you know, your go-go years are your no-go years. Yeah, and that true. And that's not a good place to be. So- you know, I always talk about this stuff as that you know, retirement planning, it's not it's not really just something that is limited to couples. It's a family situation because if if you run out of money during your lifetime, that becomes a burden for somebody else as well. And and typically that's what falls on top of the on the on the children's shoulders. So there's a there's a, a phrase out there called the sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. And these are people that are 
trying to work and raise children while at the same time they're trying to take care of their aging parents because financially things didn't go as well as planned. Getting back to the whole, like, what are the consequences with relying on everything being in the market is that you might think you have plenty of assets and a couple of things that you can't control go wrong and your assets take too big of a hit too early in life. And you know, we, we've seen people burn through eight figures of wealth during their lifetime just because of the way that the returns came in in their life. And, and it's just not the place we want to be. So I do want to spend some time talking about this, this thing called a 4% rule. Mm -hmm. um, Eric, is that something you've ever heard of? Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it, years ago, it was if you draw down 4% of your retirement and, and stick to that level, you'll be fine. Should be. There should be like a big asterisk like, after exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> <That's like, laughs> here's what's amazing about this, right? So this was all based off of a uh, an article written by somebody in the early to mid-1990s. And, and you go back then, computers weren't as advanced as they are today. So mm -hmm. it, it was kind of like that first glimpse into computer modeling of if you take different portfolios, what percentage can you withdraw each year? having a, a pretty common asset allocation before you put too much pressure on the portfolio and you radically increase the probability you run out of money. And what's interesting is that when the, the gentleman that wrote the article was putting this together, he had settled on this idea that if you just stick to about a 4% withdrawal rate each year off the assets, then you run about a 95% probability that you're not going to run out of money during a 25-year retirement. If you read the actual research paper, he didn't count fees. He didn't count taxes, right? He didn't count trading costs. Really? I didn't so, know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. In fact, I, I do a lot of training and mentoring of other, other advisors, other financial professionals. And a lot of times they cite this and they don't know that. So you're starting to see more articles popping up where they're saying it's the new 4% the new rule is really a 2% rule or a 3% rule. Mm-hmm. So it's weird because, again, most people, when they get to the retirement years, they're not as risky as they used to be when they were younger. Yeah. So they might have an asset allocation now that's maybe 60 to 70% stocks, 30 to 40% bonds. And they know that markets are going to continue to have volatility. But the idea here is that stocks can help provide growth and help you with longevity, but also you can get some dividend income from stocks. Bonds are there, traditionally speaking, to provide you with some interest income and also add some stability to the portfolio. So again, even though if markets can bounce around, the thought is if you stick to that 4% withdrawal rate, you have a high probability of running out, but there's no guarantee. And 25-year mm -hmm. retirement, that used to sound like a lot of years. But every day when I read the Wall Street Journal or any other popular financial press, you're hearing more and more of people that are blowing past age 100 with ease, and they're still in pretty good health. Right. So can your can your money last three, four decades into retirement on a four percent rule? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, there's there's a lot of limitations and challenges. I mean, look, I think so we use software called Monte Carlo software. It's definitely useful to to teach people these things. But the idea with Monte Carlo software is that you take historical rates of return on investments. And it's almost like when you watch the lottery and they throw all those different, you know, balls into that scrambler and it kind of mm -hmm. spits them out in random order. And uh, that's what Monte Carlo simulators are doing. It's taking historical rates of return, throwing them into a bin, and just doing random simulations of all those returns. And it spits out, like the software we use, every time I hit the calculate button, it does a thousand new simulations. Jeez. And it tells you, hey, here's the probability. And, and it's a really cool teaching tool because it shows people that 
going from 4% to 5% doesn't sound like that much more, but that might increase the failure rate from, you know, maybe 5% failure rate. It might jump up to a 40% failure rate. Wow. It's also useful because there's almost like this, this weird sweet spot where if you get too aggressive and you take too much risk, it might increase your failure rate. But also if you get too conservative, it might increase your failure rate. Hmm. And that's kind of hard for people to wrap their, their their minds around sometimes. It's like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that too conservative can actually be more risky. And it's like, yeah. And, they, and they're like, well, why is that? I'm like, well, because the money's not earning enough either. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I just want to spend a, a couple of minutes talking about the challenges with this, this whole notion of Monte Carlo simulations, 4% withdrawal rates. The number one challenge is it doesn't always work. Even if you're robotic, even if you stick to the plan, it doesn't mean it's going to work. So just to give the audience some numbers that are fairly easy to, to visualize here, think of a million bucks. It's asset allocated. You're taking 4% withdrawals. That's only $40,000 of income. And you need the entire million dollars to stay invested to produce that $40,000 and you still might burn through all the money. Mm -hmm. So what you might find is that you might be able to put in place an annuity with maybe $600,000 or $700,000. This is going to depend on your age. It's going to depend on the company. It's going to depend on the type of annuity. But just to give you something to conceptualize, you might be able to put $600,000 or $700,000 into an annuity and get the same $40,000 income stream. And now your failure rate for that $40,000 is zero. Yeah. Right? Because that annuity is not going to run out of money during your lifetime. It's guaranteed not to run out. Well, what does that do with the other money? Well, the other three to $400,000 is now freed up. You don't need to use any of that money to produce the same $40,000 cash flow. Mm -hmm. Now, it probably still is going to produce cash flow, but that could be the bonus money. Or you might say, hey, I've got enough money coming from the annuity and my other guaranteed sources that we're good. When we have the trips that we want to take, we'll dip into the investments. Or when I want to make a gift to my kids, we'll dip into the investments. But it, it's that, it's that bonus-like feel. Yeah. Well, you brought up longevity. You brought up, you know, people living a lot longer. And I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about leaving a legacy. Because if, if somebody owns an annuity, for instance, maybe it's a couple, and they have more income, or at least guaranteed income, that they and their spouse will have forever, right? And they cannot live it. But does that mean they'll have less assets to pass on because they purchase the annuity? So this is a, a really common misperception, right? Okay. We, we tend to think of owning insurances or owning annuities like we're on some kind of a seesaw, right? Where if I, if I buy more insurance and that side of the seesaw goes up, well, my wealth has to go down. I have to suffer because of that, because it's a cost, right? It's what people think, mm -hmm. right? Or we think that if I go with, with less insurance, right? I'm saving money, my wealth should go up. It's not really the way it works with annuities. So- what I find is, is an interesting kind of psychological exercise with this stuff is that people have this strange guilt in retirement sometimes when they're thinking about legacy. They're like, well, if I go back to our seesaw, if I increase my income, then the legacy I leave behind for my children and my grandchildren and my charities, that's going to go down. So what they do sometimes, they go, well, you know, I'm going to lessen my income because I want to pass more on. I don't like these situations because somebody has to win and somebody else has to lose. There's this mm -hmm. trade-off. Mm -hmm. So what I find with the annuities when correctly positioned is that your income goes up and it's like guilt-free income. Like people just, I just don't see my clients that have annuities ever feeling guilty about spending that money. It's almost like that, like that pension check. They look at that as their money. Yeah. 
So they, they end up having a more consistent lifestyle. It's a guilt-free lifestyle. But go back to what I said earlier, is that you might be able to buy the income stream with a lower level of assets. And the other money is now freed up that can help drive that legacy. So that's that's only part of the equation because I think what most people, what they've been taught with annuities, it's like, it's like this disappearing <laughs> pile of money. They think that when I buy the annuity, poof, my assets are gone. All I have is the income stream. And I want to clear that up right here because that is like the the old, old school type of annuity. That that felt more like a pension plan, that mm -hmm. I have an income stream, but if I live beyond a certain number of years and I die, there's nothing left over. Yeah. Those types of annuities certainly exist. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes, but most of the more modern annuities don't work that way. You still have an account balance remaining that... You know, so you're you're generating your income stream, but there's still an account balance. That's important for two reasons. Number one is what if you change your mind? What if you don't want the guaranteed income anymore? You can always cash the thing in and take your balance with you. But that's also important from a legacy standpoint mm -hmm. that when you die, that remaining account balance does go to your heirs. So that's why I think those are so much more popular. It just seems to feel better for for most people. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. Because <laughs> you're not yeah. you're not losing out. Like you said, it's not one person winning and one person losing. So you brought it up. Can you explain the different types of annuities? And the, specific, specifically, I'd like to hear more about the ones that guarantee lifetime income and some of the key features that they have. Let's look at just the, the classic type of annuity first. And, and this okay. is, I'm going to use a word called annuitization. Annuitization is more of that pension-like feel where you are converting the asset to a guaranteed income stream and that's it. Okay, so you can do this, what we call a single life annuity, where it's just going to pay out to the day you die. The, the day you die, that's it. The annuity shuts off, whatever balance you paid in, that's gone. Mm -hmm. Doesn't sit well with most people. So some people go, well, let's do a joint annuitization. So now it's going to pay out as long as you live. When you die, it'll keep paying until your spouse dies. And when your spouse dies, there's nothing left. So to get around that, there's another way you can annuitize where you get something called a, a period certain, meaning that it's going to pay me as long as I live. Okay. If I die, then it's going to continue to pay out for 20 years. So if I die one year into the annuity, then there's still 19 more years of payments. Mm, okay. Okay. So that's an option for some people. So just think of it this way. Just think of it real practical. The more of a legacy that's going to be there for the heirs or the longer the payouts will continue after your death, the lower the paycheck is going to be for you. So some folks walk into retirement and they have lots of life insurance they're going to keep throughout their lifetime. And they go, well, it's okay. If I die shortly after I begin the income, there's plenty of life insurance money to take care of my family. So those folks are able to enjoy a pretty nice pay raise because of the life insurance. Mm -hmm. Folks who either couldn't get life insurance or they canceled it and they're doing annuitization, they tend to pick either a joint lifetime payout or they'll do one, maybe they're maybe they're widowed or they're single in retirement and they go, all right, I'll do a, a period certain where there's at least a certain number of years after my death where I know the money is going to be paid out. So you can do the easy math in this and you can make sure that, okay, if I live or if I die, the full value of what I put into this, somebody's going to get. So that is a different type of, a, of an income strategy uh, as compared to what we call the guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits. So they're going to feel the same in some regards where you're still going to get guaranteed income for your life or you're going to get it for the lifetime of you and your spouse. But it's not technically annuitization. You never you never converted over or gave up that account balance. Mm. So what does that mean? What that means is that 
you still have the account balance, the money is still invested. It's still available to you if you had to make excess withdrawals, if you wanted to cash the thing in, but it's also there in case you die. All right. But because there's that investment component to this, that's where a lot of folks will see that there's actually some upside of this as well. That you, you, like I said last episode, that your first check is the worst check. You know what your income is going to be. You've got your base layer there. But if the investments continue to grow or the index crediting rates continue to climb, then you have a way to see those, those income checks that you're receiving go up over time for you and your spouse. Uh, but again, there's no free lunch here. So there's some annuities that we use currently, and I can't reference names because these contracts can change quickly. So if I mention yeah. something now, it may not be available by the time you listen to the episode, but they produce really, really high income streams. And what it's doing is because it's so high, it's lifting the pressure off the other assets. So it's giving those assets freedom to grow, and that's probably more of their legacy. But because the income is so high, you can't expect there to be a large balance remaining upon your death. So a lot of these folks, if they're you know, 65, 70 years old and they're doing these, I'll show them the math on this. You probably should expect that this account balance is going to be gone for legacy purposes, probably by the time you're 80, 85 years old. So now we have to look at their legacy objectives and say, great, where is the legacy going to come from? Is it these other assets? Is it life insurance? Is it the family home? Like, what is it? But what I'm finding is that for, for a lot of folks that the math is so much more precise that they're much more confident. Yeah, there is going to be a legacy. When you go back to that 4% rule, it's like, oh, I don't know. Let's talk about this in maybe 20 years and see what, what actually remains. But yeah. there was nothing that was guaranteed. Hmm. So again, just real quick before we move on is that all these types of annuities, so annuitization or guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit, you have the option to do single income. You have the option to do joint income. And most of these contracts will, will give you some ability to have increasing income either for just a single person or for joint. So that's why you really need to shop around for this stuff. You know, it's why we're, we're company agnostic, we're product agnostic. It's, it's like what's available right now in the marketplace. Let's look at several different companies. Let's model these things out and just see what fits your situation and what doesn't. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was probably the first or second podcast uh, that you did. We talked about the fact that you're very proud of being independent because you're not tied to a company. You're not tied to a brand. That's why you're able to look at the entire marketplace and say, okay, these are the annuities that are available from every company, every type of annuity, and you can really hone in and be very specific according to the specific person that you're talking to, your, you know, the specific client's needs. Exactly. We want to be able to look at, especially in, in this area, we want to look at the, the larger, more well-known, better capitalized companies. So we like those A-rated companies and up. And it's not something where the best number wins. Like I was working with somebody recently that you know, they went on online and they found some annuity quotes or whatever. And um, they said, take a look at this. This is the highest rate I could possibly find. And I said, great. Have you ever even heard of that company before? And, mm. and it was just, it was a really small company. We dug into the financials of the company and it just wasn't a, a really solid company. And I just said to them, and there's, there's rating agencies out there that'll, that'll score these companies and, there's, there's some that'll even do an aggregate of multiple companies. And, and I just, I said to this gentleman, I said, you know, if your son or daughter came home from school and they said, Hey dad, check it out. I've got a D average. You know, I don't think you'd be very excited about that. Right. Way to go junior. Yeah. What, what do you want to see on the report card? He's like, yeah, yeah. I want them to see ideally a, a plus, et cetera. I said, so here's a couple of different companies you're looking at. The one that has this slightly higher payout slightly is a, is a D average on all these ratings. 
right? Versus these other ones that are that are A plus, hundred year old companies or more, you know, very well capitalized. We dug into it. I'm like, you know, do you want to do you want to just get the highest number, or do you want to go with a company that you're pretty confident still going to be in business deep into your retirement? So uh, he he opted for the company that was a little more a uh, little more known. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like you to kind of draw some parallels or or do a comparison for me, if you would. Social Security, pensions, the, those types of retirement income streams. Then you've got the non guaranteed options like dividend paying stocks and bonds. How do annuities compare to those options? So annuities, it's kind of funny because they're going to have sort of a blend of all these different features. So it, it's more like social security and pensions where you know exactly what your check is going to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of folks, when they get in retirement, especially, they like the idea of dividend paying stocks. And some say, well, why buy the annuity when here's, here's a bunch of stocks that maybe have a similar dividend payout as to what the annuity has. And, and that's fine for some of the portfolio. Don't get me wrong. Dividend paying stocks can be great in retirement. But companies can cut dividends, right? So that income source may not be as, as consistent as you think, right? And then on the bond side, same thing, that the, those, those bonds eventually mature. So all a bond is, for folks who aren't real familiar with, with bond investing, is it's a loan. You're lending money either to a corporation or you're lending it to a government entity. They're giving you a fixed interest payment or a fixed return for a set number of years. And then when those years are up, you get your money back. So it's wonderful. Like right now, there are some bonds that are, that are paying pretty high interest rates based on what we've seen in the last you know, 15, 20 years. But when those bonds mature in two, three, four, five years, now what? Where are you going to reinvest that money? And maybe rates have gone up. So you're going to get a, a, an increase in that income payout, but, but rates could also go back down again. So again, it comes back to this reliability factor that the bond market is a market. It has volatility like the stock market does. You know, it doesn't always move in the same direction. But you look at 2000 or, or 2022, that was a year where both stocks and bonds both went down. So again, I, I think that you, you just have to look at this globally and say, I, I want multiple streams of, of income in retirement. And I think if you start to, to do the math and the stuff and you look at your social security check coming in, if you have a pension, let's factor that, start to play with some numbers on adding an annuity and see how much more stability that adds to the plan but then you're still going to have things like stocks or bonds. You may have real estate coming in, uh, rental income coming in. So you want that diversified approach because you, you want the advantage of if the market does does well, you want to profit from that. But you also don't want to change your life and, and think that, well, the market's down. I'm, I'm sticking to this 4% rule. Uh, but because my portfolio lost 30% of its value, I have to cut 30% of my lifestyle this year. People just don't want to do that. And, and I've just found that a lot of folks have thought they would be able to do that and they can't. Yeah, because they have a lot of bills that are fixed of a lifestyle that's been well established for many, many decades. And what ends up happening is when the market drops, their 4% withdrawal may have turned into a 10% withdrawal. Yeah, And that that can be the nail in the coffin that can put you on a path where you end up running out of money. Yeah. Well, you brought up, you know, the ratings of these companies as, as something to really consider. What are some other factors or considerations that individuals need to keep in mind when selecting an annuity? For guaranteed lifetime income or for so, investing purposes actually yeah th this is for both accumulation years and the income years you have to look at your overall liquidity i did mention last episode that a lot of these annuities will have a 10 percent penalty free withdrawal 
So if you're in that surrender period that I talked about, where if you were to just cancel the entire contract and you would pay a penalty, but if you're in, if you're inside that time period and you still, still need to make a withdrawal, a lot of them will let you take 10% out penalty free. Once you're past that surrender period, you can cash the entire thing in if you wanted to. So I like to make sure that people have ample liquidity because again, this is a long-term investment. This is a long-term vehicle, right? So you shouldn't be diving into these things just to get out of them in a couple of years. That's usually a, not something you want to do. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at liquidity. What's the liquidity that you know you're going to need? And But also there's a lot of surprises in life. So let's make sure you have plenty of liquidity elsewhere. Another big thing to think about is the required minimum distributions. A lot of people fund annuities from IRA money. So in other words, the think of the IRA as the container, right? And you just happen to fill that IRA with an annuity. That's that's what's owned inside of that uh, that account. Yeah. Well, because it's an IRA, you still have required minimum distributions per the IRS when you hit a certain age. So you have to think about having balance. If the required withdrawals are larger than the the income that's being guaranteed from the annuity, what you don't want to do is have to reach into that annuity and take an excess withdrawal just to satisfy your required distribution. So you're you're better off making sure that you have balance between if you have money in the annuity in the IRA, make sure you have some non annuity IRA money as well, because you may need to take some distributions from the other IRA as well. Now, the opposite could also happen. You might have so much income coming from the annuity IRA that you might not need to take the required distributions elsewhere. So again, I, I think it's good to have options there because forget the the required distributions for a minute. Anytime you're taking withdrawals, we have to be aware of what the market's doing. And it might be something where the market's down, you're over a certain age, you still have to take your required distribution. Well, where do you take it from? In a, in, a, in a bad market, you might say, I'm better off turning on my annuity income and letting that satisfy my required distribution and not taking any money from my other invested IRA assets and giving them a chance to rebound. So by, by maintaining balance, you actually end up maintaining a lot of, a lot of advantages in terms of weathering the storm. A couple other things to think about. Legacy objectives, we talked about that earlier. Make sure you understand how the annuity works upon your death and make sure that that supports your objectives. If, if your goal is maximum income and you don't want to leave a legacy at all, great. There's annuities that will help you with that. But if you're like, no, it's really important to me to maintain the highest legacy possible, let's just make sure that the annuity that you select is, is part of that objective. Um, and then the other thing is just some, some other surprises that you're going to face, right? You know, a lot of folks, again, we love the idea when the market's going up, we all want to be in the market, but when the market's going down, it's like, I'm sorry, why was they in this thing again? <laughs> right? So, right. so I, I think you have to look at it in terms of your, your overall asset allocation. And again, a lot of folks are, are, are now looking at these annuities going, I like those index linked annuities where I know what my downside protection is, mm-hmm. but also I know that what I'm going to participate in on the upside. So I would just say that if you're looking at a product like that, make sure you understand what the index is. because there's a lot of of different indexes that are proprietary to certain companies that are popping up. Uh, a lot of new things that it's like you may not even be able to understand it, know how those returns are generated. Doesn't make it wrong, right? It might still be a great index, but just make sure you understand what you're investing in. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's good advice. Period. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've talked a lot about these annuities being great for investing and retirement income. Are there any other uses for annuities that I'm not aware of? So the, the death benefit 
this comes in a couple of forms. Uh, you have certain companies out there will have annuity riders you can add, and these these come in at added cost. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, your your account value for death purposes will continue to increase over time. Okay. Now, when you start to make withdrawals, it is going to adjust. But what ends up happening is that your legacy death benefit is less dependent on what's happening in the market. So for people that can't get life insurance, if they're able to buy an annuity and they know that they're going to get maybe a bonus on that death benefit immediately, and it may be a 5% bonus, maybe a 20 or 30% bonus, they're going, you know what, that's pretty cost effective. It's not life insurance, but it kind of feels like it. Yeah. Um, right. Others will also protect you where if you do this, a lot of times happens in a variable annuity where you have an asset allocation, the market takes a big hit. So maybe I'm just make numbers up here. You put a million bucks in the market tanks considerably and your asset value is down to 600 grand and then you die. A lot of them will guarantee that the money you put into the annuity, the million bucks, that's what goes to your family. Oh, okay. So you, so you kind of have like this this floor that's set immediately that I'm investing the money, I'm trying to grow up. But if the, if the market takes a hit, my family's not going to pay the price. Yeah. So again, these vary greatly from company to company. So you just want to understand how it works. You, know, you just have to take a look at what am I getting? What am I paying for? Do I, do I want this kind of a benefit or do, do I have something else in my plan that can protect me against that? Yeah. Well, that's a lot. I mean, we covered a lot in, in today's podcast, obviously, and the other one as well. Is there anything else that the audience needs to know today? I mean, I know there's fees involved and I know that because there's so many different annuities, I don't know if you want to cover that today, but what, what do the fees look like? And I know that some have said they're really high and I know that older annuities back in the day, there were a lot of concerns about those, but like you said, everything changes very, very quickly. Yeah. There has been a lot of, of fee compression in the industry for many, many years. And this isn't just for annuities. This is for even things like mutual funds or exchange traded funds. There's just there's just a lot of compression on on pricing, and that's because products are becoming more transparent. There's more competition, but it's also just advancements in technology. It just made it more efficient to run a business like this. But it's not the whole story. So what we don't want to do is throw out an entire asset category because of oh I heard the fees are high because if we go to mutual funds or exchange traded funds for a minute there are some funds with outrageously high fees so we don't say well, let's just not invest in a mutual fund or, or an ETF because I heard the fees are high it's like well there's plenty of those that have low costs mm-hmm. so the fees I would tell everybody that a range of fees for annuities can be anywhere from a zero percent implicit fee all the way as high as four to four and a half percent. It's going to depend on the product type. It's going to depend on the company. It's going to depend on the features. It's going to depend on the income payouts. I would try to take a look at the at the the fee side of this and be somewhat neutral in terms of it's it's not just the fee, but it's also what's the income, what am I getting? So it's pretty easy to figure this out. If you're looking at a high fee product with a low payout, low investment returns, it's probably not going to fit your plan, right? But you might find one that there's a fee but the income payout might be far greater than another product that has a 0% implied fee. So the reason why I keep saying the word implied fee, it's like, what, what is this? What does he mean by this? When you look at a 0% fee product, you're not seeing a management fee like you would on a investment portfolio. So there's no, you know, nothing's hidden here. It's not like you get like a, a surprise, like, oh, what's this little debit on my statement? No, there isn't a fee. It doesn't mean the insurance company behind it is not making money. They have to make money to stay in business. Of course. So you'll see this typically either with a fixed annuity, 
where they might say, hey, you invest in this product, you're going to get, again, I'm going to make this up, but here's a, a five and a half percent interest rate guaranteed for the next five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your fee? You don't have a fee. What's the company making? I don't know. And frankly, I don't care, right? Whatever they're making, they're making. It's just like when you buy a CD, who knows what the yeah. bank is making, but this is a good deal for me. Okay. If you look at a, an index linked annuity, where the compensation for the insurance company comes into play is that when they price out the, the index option. So what it might be, I'll, I'll give a quick example here. Maybe you're, you're investing in an index segment that goes over three years. So there's only two dates that matter. It's the date that the annuity, annuity is funded, right? Whenever that, that index option becomes active mm -hmm. and that three-year anniversary date, everything in between is largely entertainment. Sometimes mm -hmm. good entertainment. Sometimes it's more like a scary movie, right? But you know, <laughs> okay, those are the dates that matter. Well, what do I get on that maturity date? And it might be that you're getting 100% of the upside of the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 is up 30%, you get 30%. Some of these might be you get 125% of whatever the S&P does. Okay, but you're also getting some downside protection. If the S&P is negative and it's down 10%, you might have a 10% buffer against that loss. Yeah. So they're not, they may not be charging you a fee. And some companies do charge a fee for this. But the profit might be that when they bought the stock options behind the scenes, that part of that return was actually higher. And that's what they're, that's what they're getting is, is part of their profit is, the, is that spread. Mm -hmm. Okay. So again, you have to be aware of it. You have to look at it. But again, it's not about just, okay, what are they making? What are you making? That's really, that's really where, where the rubber meets the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause like you said, if, if somebody is going to guarantee me a certain amount of income or a certain percentage that I like, I, I don't care what they're making off of it because as long as they're providing exactly what they said to me that they're going to, man, I mean, that I'm, I'm happy. I you, right. you can't think of those other things. Right. Right. It has, to, it has to be fair. Right. And, and I think I mentioned last time as well that, you know, I had somebody that was, that was just set for, they liked the idea of annuities, but it, it had to be a 0% fee product. And I said, that's fine. Here's a bunch of 0% fee products. And here's some that do have some fees. And the reason why I want you to look at these is because the the way the, the index crediting works is better for you for what your goals are. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, this is for income. And the income is substantially larger. Like, it's not even close. And that's net of the cost. And they were like, why are we wasting our time with the 0% stuff? Let's <laughs> I'd gladly pay that fee. It's all about value. Like, I don't mind staying... Uh, in a hotel with a, a high nightly rate, if it's a great hotel, right? What you don't want to do is stay in a, in a lousy hotel for a five-star type property payment. Like nobody wants that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but you also don't want to, you know, you don't want to be overpaying for things, but you don't want to be getting lesser value either. Mm -hmm. So I'll just mention this before we wrap up is that this is not a conversation like, Hey, let's spend 30 minutes running through this and let's hurry up and make a decision. Most of my clients, we go through several conversations about this stuff, right? So first off, we cover this in concept, okay? And then we start to model it out. And then I want to give them time to just sit and digest that, right? I give them a little bit of homework, some things I want them to consider and think about. And then we come back and we, we look at several different companies and we start to model these things out and start to play with their entire financial planning picture and start to do a, like a live simulation. What if this changes? What if that changes? And it's shocking to see for many people, by the time we've had two or three conversations, they're like, yeah, I understand this well enough. I can explain it back to you. And now they know exactly what they want to do. And they know exactly what they don't want to do as well. 
mm-hmm. but it becomes a cohesive picture. And it might be that because of the presence of the annuity, now that they understand it, that might change their investment strategy elsewhere. Yeah. So it, it's just, I just, if I was making, just giving everybody a nickel's worth of free advice, if, if I never talked to you and you're looking at these things, just take your time with it. There's no rush. This, this industry is not going anywhere. Okay. But I wouldn't be closed minded to it either. That there's, there's some real, real value in these things, but study and understand how it works and, and let the math do the talking. You know, everyone's got their, their uncle Bob who says whatever about all kinds of financial advice. And it's like his heart's in the right place, but as he spent, as he spent as much time studying this stuff uh, as a true professional has. Yeah. And um, yeah. again, whether you're working with us or somebody like us, just make sure that they're, they're teaching you these things, not just, you know, trying to just you know, throw a product in front of you to see if you buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I love the, the fact that we get to do these together because you're the guy that I, I, I trust, right? And I, I listen to, my brain goes in different directions. And, and I got to tell you this quick short story because I know you'll appreciate the strangeness of this, <laughs> this story. But when you were talking about, you know, that, that if you're making enough money off of it and you, you've got the goal in mind, it, it shouldn't matter to you as long as you're you're getting what you're you've been guaranteed to get. You should be happy with that, and that should carry you because it doesn't matter what the bank is making, or it doesn't matter what the insurance company is making off it because you're getting what you asked for, and you should be happy. Well, my my wife makes cakes, and like really nice cakes, and so she will take orders from folks, and, and it's usually just families and friends. She doesn't do it as a business, but she just enjoys making cakes. But one of the parts of the process of making that cake is that. When it comes out, it's usually kind of domed. Have you ever noticed that when a cake comes out, it's like higher in the middle than it is on the sides? Yep. Yeah. So she has a specialized tool that she takes across the entire cake and it it cuts it off. It's like one of those old cheese slicers, but it it, it takes the entire top of the cake off so it's perfectly flat. So she if she's making a multi-layered cake, she has perfectly flat cakes to deal with. The tops go into a bowl for me. Right. So, I mean, when she's trimming or if she's making a round cake and, and she's had to use a, a, a little smaller square pan for whatever reason, the parts that are trimmed off, that's Eric's. Just going to let you that's know. That's the that bonus, Eric. That's what I was talking about earlier. That, that's right. the bonus. <laughs> totally the bonus. Anyway, so that's where my mind went when you said that. Look, they, they, they asked for a Thor cake. They got an amazing Thor cake and they had no idea that that Eric got to participate in the cake before it was actually right. sent out. So anyway, you're just making sure the cake was, was safe quality to eat. That's all you're doing. It's quality control. You're, you're, you're a good man. You're a good man. <laughs> I'll take one for the team anytime. All right. So folks listening to this, you're not calling me because I, all I think about is cakes at Jim, they need to be giving you a call to, to get some advice and your thoughts on their specific situation and maybe how this will work into their overall investment plan. How do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? Best way to reach us is to either go on our website, www.mcgovernwealth.com. And there's a contact us form. Just pop your name in there. Tell us what's on your mind. And either myself or my team members will reach out to you and we'll have a conversation. The other way you can do this is you can just email us directly, info at mcgovernwealth.com. Again, tell us that you're a, a listener to the show and uh, you have some topics that you'd like to spend a little bit of time on and, and we'll, we'll definitely schedule some time together. Fantastic. Jim, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you. You bet. And of course, last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast with Jim McGovern. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast, write it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. 
Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at McGovern Wealth Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. Variable annuities are long-term investment vehicles designed to help investors save for retirement and involve certain contract limitations, fees, expenses, and risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. The investment return and principal value may fluctuate so that the investment, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than the original cost. As with many investments, there are fees, expenses, and risks associated with these contracts. All guarantees, including the death benefit payments, are dependent upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and do not apply to the investment performance of the underlying funds in the variable annuity. Assets in the underlying funds are subject to market risks and may fluctuate in value. Riders may incur an additional cost or premium. Riders may not be available in all states. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Thanks for listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Be sure to follow the show to be notified when new episodes become available. To suggest a topic or guest for a future episode, or learn more about how we can help to maximize outcomes in your life, visit our website at www.mcgovernwealth.com. This podcast is intended for general public use and is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or McGovern Wealth Group, and opinions stated are their own. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Jim McGovern is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. McGovern Wealth Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. CA Insurance License Number. 0F67329 AR Insurance License Number 7119103 California Insurance License Number 0F67329 Arkansas Insurance License Number 7119103 Compliance Number 2023-156866 expires June of 2025